Really, we're all the same. Sure, some of us have more money, more skill, more brains, or more time than others. But you and I want the, same, the same thing. thing. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. To have an impact, a huge impact on my family, my community, my world. Now it's time to take that dream and turn it into reality. To use what we do have to accomplish, to accomplish something great. It's time to leave mediocre behind. It's time to leave mediocre behind. Because it doesn't matter how much you have. It's how you use it. The opportunity is before you. The opportunity is before you. But, But you, you have, have to, to take, take the first, the first step. step. Hey, good morning. Hey, I just want to tell you guys how much I appreciate with all the wrestling you have to do to get in here. You know, I know it's a mess out there at the street, and, and I know it's tough to get in and get out. And so as I tell you guys from time to time, it means so much to us that you, you wrestle and do that to, to get in here. And we're thankful that you're here today. I, this is the last weekend of U Times 2. And it's, we've taken a story. In fact, I'll reference a story in the message. A story that Jesus told, and we built on it. And Jesus' story, there's the idea that we could actually double our impact in life, make twice the difference that we're making. And so we've talked about the ways that we could do that. In fact, I gave a talk on how that if you really want to make an impact in this life, you have to be willing to release what you have in your hands. If you want to invest successfully, you can't keep the money on the sideline and still make money. You have to actually put that money into motion. You have to turn loose of it, take, let, let it out of your hands in order for it to, to increase in value. And that's true about everything else in life. It's true about your time. If you want to make an impact, you have to release the time that you have. If you, have, if you, if, if you want to make a difference, you have to release your talent and ability. And you have to be willing to let go of some of it and not just hoard it for yourself. You have to be willing to release what you have if you want to double your impact. Then last weekend, we talked about diligence. Diligence is an old-fashioned virtue that we don't hear a whole lot about today. But our message was called due diligence. And we said that we owe life a measure of, of staying with what whatever it is that we've been called to do, and by working hard at it and targeted practice at whatever it is that we do. Today, I want to talk about the third aspect that allows us to double our impact, and it's creativity. And I know that the moment I say that, I just lost some of you because you, I know what you're saying. You're saying, I am just not a creative person. And my guess is if we say that, it's because we think of creativity in a particular context. And just to help us frame or reference what I'm talking about, I brought a letter that I got from Martha Stewart, and so maybe this will help, help us have a little bit clearer idea what creativity is. She writes, Dear Mark, <laughs> this perfectly delightful Christmas note is being sent on paper I made myself to tell you what I've been up to. Since it snowed last night, I got up early and made a sled with old barn wood and a glue gun. I hand-painted it in gold leaf, got out my loom, and made a blanket in peach and mauve. Then to make the sled complete, I made a white horse to pull it from DNA that I had just lying around in my craft room. By then, it was time to start making the placemats and napkins for my 20 breakfast guests. I'm serving the old standard Stuart 12-course breakfast, but I'll let you in on a little secret. I didn't have time to make the table and chairs this morning, so I used ones I had on hand. Before I moved the table into the dining room, I decided to add just a touch of the holidays, so I repainted the room in pinks and stenciled gold stars on the ceiling. 
Then while the homemade bread was rising, I took antique candle molds and made the dishes, exactly the same shade of pink, to use for breakfast. These were made from Hungarian clay, which you can get in almost any neighborhood Hungarian craft store. Well, I must run. I need to finish the buttonholes on the dress I'm wearing for breakfast. I'll get out the sled and drive this note to the post office as soon as the glue dries on the envelope I'll be making. Hope my breakfast guests don't stay too long. I have 40,000 cranberries to string with bay leaves before my speaking engagement at noon. It's a good thing. Your friend, Martha Stewart. P.S. When I made the ribbon for this typewriter, I used one-eighth inch gold gauze. I soaked the gauze in a mixture of white grapes and blackberries, which I grew, picked, and crushed last week just for fun. Now, when I say I'm not creative, I think about somebody like Martha Stewart because I'm thinking, I can't do any of that kind of stuff. In fact, do you know what these hands say? If something is wrong at my house, if something's broken, these hands say, call call an expert because I can break more stuff trying to fix things. I don't know if any of you, the rest of you guys are that way or not. Some of you are probably very handy, you know. You're, you're really good with your hands, and I'm really respectful of that. But I tend to look at stuff like that, and I say, if that's the test, I'm not creative. But ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you this. Every single person here is creative, and that's not psychobabble. It's the truth. Every person here is creative. Many of you take notes. I'd like, if you're taking notes, I'd like for you to do something. And I hate it when a pastor or speaker asks me to do something like this, but I'm going to ask you to do it anyway. I want you to write down a statement, okay? Work with me on this. Write down the statement, I am creative. I hate it when somebody asks me to do something like that, but I want you to write it down because I want you to see it in print just one time, okay? I am creative. How can you prove that? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, here's what the Bible says about you and me. So God created human beings in his own image. Ladies and gentlemen, I have many issues with evolution. For one thing, it just doesn't make a great deal of sense that the complexity and sophistication of life could have happened by accident. Anybody who believes that has a ton more faith than I could possibly have. But let me tell you, there's another reason why I can't believe that. I can't believe it because we bear in our lives the creation mark of being made in God's image. That's what separates us from the animal kingdom. God has crafted us. God has crafted men and women with aspects of his own personality. God has given us some of his characteristics. Well, if we're made in God's image, what do we know about God? (laughs) What is the very first thing the Bible says about God? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God helped me. In the beginning, God created. The very first fact that you and I learn about God is that God is creative. Well, if we're just working a logical proof here, it just stands to reason. If we're made in God's image and God is creative, look at the words words you just wrote down. I am creative. You are creative. God has made every one of us creative. Now, we might not be able to make a horse out of DNA, but the fact of the matter is we're all creative in some way or another. When I use the word creative, for a lot of us, we think about it in the context of like an artist, maybe painting a picture or or making something with our hands. But we learn what creation is as we look at how God created the world. Here's what scripture says in Genesis chapter 1, that before God started to work, there was chaos and darkness. And then God brought who he was to that chaos and darkness, and out of that came everything that is. You and I... When we're called to creativity, it isn't just painting a picture or making something with our hands. I am convinced that God has called every human being in this room today, especially every God follower. God calls us into the areas of our life that are dark and chaotic. And God wants us to bring who we are 
into that darkness and chaos and either leave something new or leave something better than when we found it. That is what creativity is. Creativity that really matters. We go into darkness, we go into chaos, we leave it better than we found it, or we bring something new. Where is the chaos in your life? You say, Mark, it's in my home. (laughs) Well, then go to that place of chaos and go to that place of darkness and begin to think about the fact that God has made you to be creative in that environment, to make something different, to leave something better than how you found it. That is what we inherit from God. I want to take you now to several thoughts, and if you just want to jot down some thoughts today and make some notes, these are great. Some of this is in the journal that we have in U times 2, but let's start with this. If if we're going to be creative, we need to have a creativity, number one, that stands the test, stands the test. There are various levels of creativity. Hang with me for a moment, because the first level of creativity, let's just call it recreational in nature. That's what we usually think about. You know, in my time off, I paint. In my time off, I sculpt. In my time off, I collect. In my time off, I try to come up with creative golf shots. That is creativity at the recreational level. Very good. All of us need that. Isn't it interesting that the the very root word of recreation is recreate? That's a we need that, but it's the bottom level. At the next level, I think there's creativity in the in the career field. And I hope that you all are creative where you work. A few moments ago, I said creativity is going into darkness and chaos, making something new, leaving something better than how you found it. Some of you have experienced this. That where you work in your career, there was a snafu, there was a logjam, there was a problem. Nobody could figure it out. And you looked at it and said, hey, things could be better, things could be different. And you brought who you are, your talent, your ability, your time, your energy, maybe even your finances. You brought it to that environment and you left it different than you found it. And now everybody who works where you work is enjoying the benefit of your creativity. It's very, very important to be creative where you work. The third level is even more important, and I'll call these life issues. Here we're talking about creativity, if you're married, in your marriage. Being creative. Not just leaving things the way you found them. Not just accepting the darkness. Not just accepting the chaos. But saying, hey, God has put me here. I am creative. God put me in this marriage, married to this guy, to this gal. God put me here to be creative and to think of ways for it to be better or new. Parenting. Lord knows we need creative parents. You know, I talk to some parents, and I talk to kids too sometimes, and actually it will be the kids who will tell me, man, the only thing that happens at my house is I screw up, my parents scream at me. Where's the creativity there? Just routine. So creativity and life issues, but there's one place where creativity is more important than any other place, and, and that is for those of us who are God followers, the highest level of creativity is creativity that's related to God's kingdom. The story that Jesus is telling here is a story about the future. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven works like this, and then he told the story that we've been looking at for the last five weeks. He told the story, and and I know you've heard me tell this before if you've been here. If if not, I'm just going to whip through it real quickly. He said there was a very wealthy guy who had a lot of resources, and he had to go away on a journey. And he left his three money managers to handle his resources while he was gone. Real quickly, we know who the story's about. The real wealthy guy is Jesus. Going on a trip, that's going back to heaven and leaving us here. The money managers, it's us. God leaves us here as stewards. And, and here's what the rich guy did. He left each one of his money managers 
with various amounts of money depending upon what they were able to handle. One guy got $5 million to handle. Next guy got $2 million to handle. Third guy got $1 million to handle. Hey, we're not all equally talented, right? A lot of you guys are far more talented than I'll ever be. But it doesn't come down to how talented you are. It comes down to what, we, what you do with what God left you with. And the first two guys, the guy who got the $5 million and the $2 million, they quickly went out into the marketplace and they, were, they let go of what they had been trusted with. They were diligent. They were careful. They were skilled. And then thirdly, they were creative. They found creative ways of making money. So that when the owner came back and he went through a time of accounting, they could not wait to give their report. And by the way, this is how life works. Creative, diligent, giving people are always glad to have accountability. You know, I, some, I'm talking to some of you. You love the six months review. You can't wait for that. It's your opportunity to say, I really should be compensated at a higher level than I'm being compensated because this is what I've done. And, and, and if you are a top performer, you love the six months review. It's a cool time. It's a time for you to, to basically grow in the corporation. And you love that. If you're not, if you're somebody who buries your talents, you don't like the six months review. It's like, oh, I don't want to see that coming. And, and that's what happened in Jesus' story. And, and we've, all, we, we've looked at this for the last five weeks. We've said what Jesus is hinting at is that all of us really could double our impact, just like the two top performers took the resources they had, leveraged those resources, and doubled their funds. You and I could actually double the difference that we're making. Now, let me go into something that's kind of interesting, I believe, for us. Have you ever heard about the fact that someday we're going to be judged by God. The Bible talks about the judgment. And you may have heard the expression, expression judgment day. One of the biggest misnomers or biggest misunderstandings that I hear sometimes is people will come to me and they'll say, well, Mark, I think that when I get to heaven, God is going to judge me and he's going to tell me whether I go to heaven or not. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the last thing that's going to happen. You determine right now in this life whether you're going to heaven or not. So there are basically two kinds of judgment when we get to heaven. The first judgment is for those of us who are believers. So if the judgment is not whether we get into heaven, what is that judgment about? I'd like to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and we're going to see what it is. In 2 Corinthians 5, 10, the Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things he has done while in the body, whether good or bad. Someday, every God follower here is going to stand before God, just like these stewards. And what are we going to give an account for? What we've created. This is a rewards ceremony. This is a time to get the rewards that God has for us. You're not going to be judged as to whether or not you go to heaven. Jesus was judged for your sin on the cross. But we're going to a huge awards ceremony, and we will stand before God, and then God will check out the things that we've created. I love that. In 1 Corinthians 3, it goes a little further. The Bible says anyone who builds on that foundation, creation, creates, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, that's one category, wood, hay, or straw, a second category. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work, creativity, each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. You see what the Bible's talking about? When we all stand before 
God, the question is going to be, what did we create? And did the stuff that we create stand the test? Well, what is the test? The stuff that we created, used our lives creating, was it temporary or was it eternal? Was it lasting or was it unimportant? Um, I've struggled with this for many years. I've been teaching this ever since I've been a young pastor. And I've often wondered, what does, what's the difference? Because there are two categories of, of building there. There's what the Bible calls gold, silver, and jewels. And then there's wood, hay, and straw. And very clearly, we understand the idea of what would happen if, if those two categories were in fire. The jewels, the precious metals, would keep their essence. The wood, hay, and straw would burn up and become ashes. So I always wondered to myself, okay, I'm living my life. I'm trying to please God. How do I know if what I'm creating, is it going to stand the test of the fire or will it not? I struggle with that. And then all of a sudden, it just hit me. You know, sometimes when you read the Bible, I don't know how it is with you, but sometimes I can miss the obvious and I've been missing it for years. Look back at the text a moment again, again, for one more moment, please. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. See, it's not the work that we do that's either lasting or not lasting. It's the materials that we use to create with. If you use eternal materials, what you do is going to last and you'll get a reward for it. If you and I use temporary or materials that will burn up, we won't get a reward. I'll give you an example. I got thinking, what would be eternal materials? Very simply, one of them is the Word of God. Because Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Scripture has said not even one jot or one tittle, which is just a tiny mark of God's word would pass away. So here's what I learned. Anytime that I base any part of my life on what God's word has to say, I am building something, I'm creating something that is going to have lasting ability. That's really important in the world that you and I live in today because we are really whacked as a culture when it comes to what we live our lives based on. The standards are always changing, aren't they? It's like shifting sand beneath our feet. Things that used to be wrong are okay now. Things that used to be okay are now wrong now. It's pop culture. It's political correctness. And it's like people are just like, sometimes I feel like we're like bobblehead dolls. You ever see those dolls that people have just thunk the head and they just nod like that? I mean, it seems like that's how our culture works anymore. Wow. That's cool unless we're going to stand before God someday. You know, I, I really don't want to comment on this all, all that much, but, you know, there hasn't been, hasn't been that long since there was the young lady who was in the beauty pageant, and she was asked about gay marriage, I think, and she gave an answer that wasn't politically correct, and fewer out there over that. And the question, is she going to lose her, you know, her Miss California title because of that? I, I really, I'm not a beauty pageant person, so I don't even get into that one direction or the other. Well, what I thought was salient to this talk that we're having today is the runner-up in Miss California pageant was being interviewed on a talk show, and I caught just a piece of it. And the interviewer was asking her several questions, and the first question was, um, he thought, he asked her um, what he thought, what she thought about the question, and she sort of gave a, a vague answer, and then he said, well, how would you have answered the question? And she gave perhaps a little bit more politically correct measured answer. But it was the third question that really got me. He said, do you think she was right? And the young lady said, she spoke, speaking of Miss California, she spoke from her 
truth. Man, that freaks me out. I'm saying, you know, whatever your opinion is, that's your opinion. But you and I don't have our own truth. I mean, we will answer to the truth. I mean, when we stand before God, the question will be, did we build, did we build what we did on the truth of God and His Word, or did we build it on what people say and think? Because I tell you, at my age, what I've learned is what people say and think change an awful lot. I mean, you talk about, if you're trying to live your life based on the advice you get from people, isn't it driving you crazy? You know? So if you build based on God's word, on God's truth, you're building a lasting life. Everything that you do that's based on God's word will last. Secondly, everything you invest in people, because people are eternal. People last forever. God has put within every human being a never-dying soul. Every time you invest in a human being and you are creative to help that person, and especially to help that person to know Christ and to follow him, It'll last forever. Everything that you do that's in response to God's commands, because God is eternal. You see what I'm saying? It's the eternal materials that we use. I'm asking today, is the creativity that you're engaged in, is it lasting or is it temporary? i got to move on quickly. Here's the second thing. Write down the words creating environments versus control. Most people try to use creativity... They try to come up with cool ideas and great ways of controlling other people. Ladies and gentlemen, that doesn't work. If you and I are going to be successful and creative, creative in life, we need to use our creativity to change the environments. Hey, when you got in this morning, you got a, um, a, a beautiful brochure. I'll get it right side up here. And, and part of this brochure has a kid's building in it. And when you look at that kid's building, here's what you see. You see that every environment is themed. What we understand at New Spring is that we cannot connect children with God, but we can set the table. We can create environments. I want to ask you today, have you ever thought about being creative in the environments that you have in your marriage with your children? So oftentimes we try to control people instead of creating environments. The third thing that you need to understand about creativity, real quickly just going through these, is creativity is change. Creativity is change. You know, you say, Mark, I, I, don't, I like the status quo. I like routine. Listen, routine is just yesterday's creativity. But in every situation in life, creativity is going to involve some kind of change. And when you and I get to the place where we don't want any more change, we've really stopped living. Creativity is looking at the situation and saying, how could this be better? Every major invention that has changed our world and been a blessing has happened because somebody said things should change. Number four. Creativity has to happen in an imperfect world. I've known so many people who said, you know, at one point, I want to make a difference, but then something went wrong, and they just stopped and shut down. Guys, when you and I step out to make a difference, when we move into the darkness and the chaos and try to make a difference, something's going to go wrong. The question is, will we stay at it and keep bringing what God has given us, keep bringing that to the table? I got a lesson the other day about this. Wynton Marsalis is one of my favorite jazz musicians, great trumpet player. In fact, a whole family is just brilliant. Winton was playing in New York City the other day, and, and uh, he was playing an old song, a very poignant song, a love song, and he had played through the song and was finally coming down to just the last phrases of the song, and it was slowing down, and each note was very deliberate, just poignant, and he got to r- right before the last two notes, and somebody's cell phone rang. Don't you just hate it in a moment like that? 
some little, you know, dingling ditty, you know, on a cell phone. And, and it just, and in fact, one of the journalists who was there wrote down the expression, you know, magic ruined. But all of a sudden, Marsalis did something strange. He just started playing the cell phone tune on his trumpet. Just copied it. Then he improvised a little bit on it, put in some flourishes, changed keys a couple of times, and everybody's kind of really getting into it. And then he just wove it right back to the song he had been playing and came back to those last two notes. And everybody stood up and cheered. Now, when I heard that story, I thought, how many times is that exactly what has to happen in our lives? We want to be creative. We know that God has called us to the darkness and the chaos, and we want to make a difference. But then all of a sudden, something happens that's beyond our control. But are we able to absorb that and continue on with what God has called us to do? Because number four, creativity has to happen in an imperfect world. The last one is not mine, or at least not at first. I have a friend who's a New Springer, and he's a brilliant man, and he oversees a company with thousands of employees. And he is probably the brightest, he is the brightest businessman I've ever known in my life. And we were talking about creativity one day at lunch, and I asked him, I said, tell me please, what is the essence of creativity with all the creative people that you've ever worked with? What is the most important factor of creative people? And when he said it instantly, I knew exactly what he was talking about. He said, creative people always find a way. Creative people don't say it can't be done. Creative people won't stop. They will continue to find a way. There's a great verse in the Bible where the Bible is talking about some men who helped King David. And here's what it says in 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32. And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. In other words, these were people who had a sense of what should be done and they stayed with it until it was finished. I honestly believe that every human being here, and especially every God follower, has been called to where you are. This is, I'll close with this. This is something that Christians have said to me many times, and it makes me understand that we probably don't get it. I've had Christians say to me, Mark, my situation is just so unpleasant. If I could just be pulled out of this job If I could just be out of this marriage, and I do understand there's sometimes with a marriage where it has to end, so we'll leave that aside for a moment. But I just hear so many people say, Mark, if I just had this good environment, I I could live the Christian life. If you're in an environment that's unpleasant today, has it ever crossed your mind that perhaps God has brought you to that very environment to bring who you are to the chaos and the darkness so that God can change the environment through you? If you'll let me quote from Michelangelo two weeks in a row, the great painter and sculptor was one day wrestling with a big rock. He was trying to push it into place. And he shifted it and worked it for an hour, and he didn't really get anywhere with it. And his neighbor asked him why he would struggle so much with such an ugly rock. And Michelangelo answered, there's an angel in there that wants to get out. I like that. In the darkness and the difficulty and the chaos that's in your world, there's something God wants to do in that, and he wants to use you to do it. And you can. This isn't profound, but it's true. Three things. There's a difference that you can make. There's a difference only you can make. 
And there's a difference that won't get made if you don't make it. God has called you and me into such a world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what we've learned today. And Lord, I pray for those of us who have allowed routine to numb us so that we're not using our best gifts to make a difference. Father, I ask you that your Holy Spirit might speak to to all of us individually to show us where the darkness and the chaos is that we were called into to make a difference. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you just still bow your heads and pray with me for a moment? Every weekend, I give you an opportunity, if you've never prayed to invite Christ into your life, that you do that. The Bible tells us that God loves every human being on the planet. And the choice of going to heaven or hell, God has left that with you and me. It isn't something, as I said, that we're going to get to a judgment and find out one way or the other. It's our choice because it's a gift. Jesus died to pay for it so that God could offer it to you and me freely. The Bible says the blood that Jesus shed on the cross became the payment for our sins. Three days later, he did, the, he did something no one else has ever done. He walked out of the grave under his own power signifying that, yes, indeed, he was both God and human at the same time. And all God asks is that you and I believe and invite Jesus into our life. He's the one who makes the difference. Would you be willing to do that if you've never done it before? Would you just be open to praying and inviting Christ in? Say, but Mark, my life is so messed up. Oh, Your life can't be more messed up than the power that Jesus has to change you. If you would invite him in, he could take you just as you are. In fact, you're the very reason he came. I'm going to pray a prayer. You can repeat the words after me. The important thing is that you meet them in your heart. But if you want to pray and invite Christ into your life, let's do that together right now. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you arose from your grave. I ask you to forgive me and make me God's child. I believe you will keep your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, it just became the most important moment of your life. And I know it was quick, but I prepared a little packet to help you. It's got DVDs and great information that will help you know what you just did and what it means. I want to give it to you. If you've got your worship folder, if you would, just take, your, uh, take the card that's detachable, write your name and address on there. You can drop it in the offering bags or in the boxes by the back doors, and I'll mail this to you this week if you just prayed to receive Christ. If you have just a few extra moments and you don't mind waiting a little bit, you can go right back through those middle doors. There's two areas called guest services and New Spring Store. If you just prayed to receive Christ, you can bring your card back there. They won't ask you any questions. You can just say, I pray with Mark. And you can give them the card. You can take this home with you today. We want you to know Jesus. We want you to have him in your life. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward and to receive the offering. Next week is a very special offering because we're getting started in our kids building. And if you're not a new springer, please don't feel any pressure here. But for all of us new springers, I'm asking you to do two things. Would you bring a gift next week? a financial gift to help us get started, and then pray about what God would have you do over the next 12 months to help this building come to to life. God bless and thanks for being here.